Good morning and welcome to Church of the Cross. My name is Peter Coelho. I'm one of the priests here. I want to say a special welcome if you're a guest or visitor. We are especially glad to have you here with us. I want to invite up Joe Ho. Joe is the Vice President of InterVarsity Focus Ministries nationally and is a friend of our community. He's spoken a number of times, preached a number of times. Joe is a gifted expositor of Scripture, and it's my delight that Joe is here this morning to help kind of guide us through Colossians as we continue our series through Colossians. His family here is worshiping with us as well. We're so glad to have y'all here as well. Where you're seated, if you would just extend a hand and let's pray a word of blessing over Joe as a guest and who, the one who will be preaching to us. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you for Joe and for his ministry. We thank you for the gift of God that he has been to me and to our community. And we ask now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would guide and direct him in what to say to us and that that same spirit would enliven and open our hearts, our minds, our imagination to who you are and who it is that you're calling us to be as your people. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is a great pleasure to be with you again. You know, it's always uh, an honor to be a guest anywhere. It's always an honor to be in a pulpit anywhere. But it's, uh, you know, since I've gotten to know this congregation, uh, visiting a few times, and then getting to know a number of you um, individually outside, um, including Peter, it's just, uh, it's just increases the delight and warmth each time we are here. Um, so uh, as a congregation, you are journeying together through Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, and uh, Peter started that last week. And this morning, we come to a prayer in chapter 1, verses 9 through 14 that you heard a, a few minutes ago. And in this prayer, Paul prays for his readers to have a full life. Not an easy life, not even a good life, but a full one. And we see this in the repeated use of the words uh, filled, all, every. It is a greedy prayer that doesn't just ask for some but all. A full life. But full of what? Often when a loved one passes away, we console ourselves by saying that they lived a full life. And by that, we mean a number of things. We sometimes might mean it was a long life or a life that was rich in family relationships or perhaps a life that had a great breadth of experiences or learning. But the life that we consider this morning can be realized no matter the number of our years. It is attainable if we never marry, we never have children, never learn to read, or never travel a mile from our place of birth. It doesn't matter how much or how little we achieve, how much or little we possess. And my hope is that by the end of our few minutes together, we will share Paul's picture of this full life and how Paul envisions such a life to be realized. If you pray again with me. Lord God, we stand before your word, um, acknowledging that we have dull minds and hard hearts, um, and yet we acknowledge that your word is life to us. Um, and so we ask, in our time together, I ask for me as I'm speaking, and all of us as we are listening, Lord, that your word would bring life to us. Um, we um, we are lost without your revelation of your Son. And so as we come before your word, we acknowledge our dependence on you, and we also wait expectantly knowing what your word can and does do when uh, it is preached amongst your people in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I'd like to read this, the prayer again for you. You heard it a few moments ago, but I'm going to read it again for us. It says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." So first of all, before we even get to what Paul asks for, this full life that Paul is praying for, I want you to notice what Paul does not pray for. He does not pray that they would be qualified, that they would become qualified for their inheritance. He does not pray that they would escape the dominion of darkness and come into Jesus' kingdom. He rather asserts that all of these are already true, already accomplished by God, who has purchased and forgiven them. Past tense. If you hear nothing else today, please hear this. Your standing and your security before God is not contingent on the quality of your life, but rather the reverse. The full life that Paul so desires for the Colossians is one that assumes the secure and settled condition that Peter actually preached on just a week ago, being in Christ It is what is described by the creed that we will affirm together right after the sermon. When we are in Christ, that means that God has graciously moved us into a place of honor, favor, and freedom, where the results of our failures, faults, and addictions no longer count against us. Period. We don't aspire to a full life in order to secure our destiny, security, or validity, Rather, having received all those as a gift, we are free from the burden of securing destiny, security, or validity. Don't have to do it anymore. In that freedom, we can now have the most audacious of holy desires, including this full life of which Paul speaks. Um, And so, so acknowledging that, let's move into this prayer itself, the things that Paul desires that he wants people to have. Um, The centerpiece of this prayer is Paul's uh, petition that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Worthy of the Lord that is consistent with the kind of person that God is. And to please him in every way. That is a life that is consistent with God's good and wise intentions for the world. Paul then elaborates on such a full life with four descriptors. Bearing fruit. Growing strengthened, giving thanks. I believe that as we listen to Paul's aspiration for the Colossians, they will reflect the deep aspirations of our heart as well. So let's consider together these four descriptors and allow our hearts to be stirred with these aspirations. Firstly, bearing fruit. Now, fruit is the part of the plant that explicitly exists not for the plant, but for purposes outside the plant right? If you have fruit, that's the part of the fruit that gets taken off the plant and gets eaten for food or nourishment. It also is the part of the plant where that contains the seed, right, that gets taken and that is able to produce more plants. 
So when uh, Paul says bearing fruit in every good work, it's, he's connoting more than just doing good works, but also works that do some good. You see that? I'm quite sure that we all aspire to be good and moral people, but as we seek to be good, are we actually doing good for anybody else? I know there are some of you right now that are feeling that holy dissatisfaction. Some of you are not satisfied with just making your way through life as a responsible and productive individual. You want your life to benefit other people in greater measure. Some of you have that same aspiration corporately, that, that you, you don't just want to have a good relationship or a good family or a good uh, neighborhood group or, or a good congregation here. You desire to exist for the benefit of more than yourself. You want freedom, delight, and flourishing to flow not just inward but outward. That's what it means to bear fruit in every good work. Some of you have been feeling that stirring lately. I know that you have. And you come this morning with that desire close to the surface. Now, if we were a church of a certain kind of tradition, I might ask you to stand right now, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I will say, though, that if you are that person, if you're feeling that specific desire tonight, if God has been stirring that in you in the past days and weeks and months, and you just feel that, feel that, that itch for, for more, for more fruitfulness, for more benefit for others, I believe if Paul were here today, he would say, that is a good desire. I desire that for you too. And I'm going to ask that God would give you what you desire. A full life is one that bears fruit. It is also one that grows in knowledge of God. Now, this sort of knowledge is different from book knowledge. Um, It actually means a deep, specific, personal experience of its subject. A few years back, I wrote a master's thesis on New Testament scholar James Dunn. I read everything he wrote uh, in about one of his major areas of scholarship. And one day I was talking to a friend of mine who was a biblical studies professor, and I was just wondering about one of Dunn's ideas. And, and Aaron said, yeah, I wonder that too. I'll have to ask Jimmy that next time I see him. Now, I knew James Dunn, but Aaron knew James Dunn. Oh, you see the difference? And that's the kind of knowledge that we're talking about in terms of knowledge of God. A full life is one that increasingly knows God in a deep, specific, and personal way. Now, some of you today may know about God. You may be interested in God. You might even think positively about God. You are, after all, in church Sunday morning. But what you really want is to know God the way that some friends of yours do, perhaps some friends here. Others of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'm describing a time in your past, maybe recently, maybe a long time ago, and your present life can no longer run on past experience of God, and you desire to know God like that again. Not going to ask you to stand. But if Paul were here, he would say to you, that is a good desire for your life. I also have that desire for you. And I'm going to ask God to give you what you desire. A full life bears fruit. A full life grows in knowledge, experiential knowledge of God. It is also a strong life, a strengthened life. 
Um, this, uh, the version we have says, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. It literally reads, in all power empowered according to the might of his glory. It's like this, this, uh, this uh, repeated overflowing uh, picture of power and strength. And we'll, but when we think of strength in an American context, we most frequently think of the strength to accomplish something or achieve something. But notice, this emphatic request for strength is toward a different end, for all endurance and patience. Now, I know this room well enough to know that you are no strangers, many of you, to accomplishment or achievement. But I'm also quite certain that in this room, there are people that can attest that that power that was required for your greatest achievement is nothing compared to the power required on some days just to get out of bed, to have the endurance to make it to the end of the day. Perhaps some of you look forward to such a day in this coming week. Maybe for some of you today is that day, the one in a long string of days. You may be at the end of your strength and may have been there for a long time, and you need something, you need a power that is far beyond yourself just to stand, just to patiently endure. And Paul would say to you, that too is what a full life looks like. That especially is what a full life looks like. It is, after all, the longest of his four descriptors. Paul would say, I know where you are. I share that desire for you. And I'm going to ask that God give it to you. The final characteristic of the full life is giving thanks. Um, actually, the, the, um, the descriptor joy, uh, joyful, here in the, the ESV translation is attached to the um, uh, endurance and patience with joy. In many other translations, the joy is connected with joyfully giving thanks to the Father. It's actually ambiguous, but um, I'll, I'll take it, uh, I will be taking it as, the, as, the, as some other translations have, giving joyful thanks as the, uh, uh, the fourth descriptor. Um, so a number of years ago at a different church um, before we lived in Texas, uh, someone who didn't know me that well came up to me and said, you know, Joe, when I see you, the word I think of is joy. And now the funny thing is there's a friend of mine that was with me that did know me well, that heard this and found it funny. They actually said, um, they actually said I wouldn't make their top 20 at the church <laughs> um, in a good natured way. Um, and you, also, just to recognize, this was a very young church plant. It's not a very big church. Top 20 wouldn't have been that difficult. Um, so, and I totally, I totally agreed with that assessment. If you were to list my best qualities, you might mention many things, but uh, joyfulness and thankfulness probably don't make the list. <laughs> you know, the somber truth is, though, that a life can bear fruit for others It can be growing in knowledge. It can have the strength to endure and yet lack thankfulness, joy, that kind of lightheartedness, um, that kind of freedom that comes with that. And the sober truth is that joylessness and thanklessness can eventually undermine our endurance, undermine our knowledge of God, and even undermine the good that our works might do for others. So perhaps some of you um, today are like me, and you recognize the need and the attractiveness of that life that constantly gives thanks, that feels grateful for everything, that overflows in joy. 
Paul would say to us, that is a good desire. I also have that desire for you, and I'm going to pray that God will give it to you. So fruit that does good for others, ever more personal knowledge of God, the strength to endure your greatest trial, and overflowing thanks. Does anyone here want that kind of life? Before we complete this description of a full life, however, I want to spend a little bit of time in Paul's first request um, that he asks. He says that he asks for that we be full, filled or full of the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, the fact that he asks for this prior to asking for us to live a life worthy of the calling, uh, worthy of God and pleasing to him every way, the fact that he, he asked for it first seems to imply that this knowledge of, uh, that is provided through spiritual understanding is the key to the requests that follow. A full life begins with a life full of the knowledge of God's will through spiritual understanding. Now, when we think of God's will, um, we typically think of a situation of guidance. When you say, I want to know God's will, you, you think, I've got a decision before me, and I would like to know A or B. Is God's will for me to move to this city or that city? Is God's will for me to take this job or decline this job? Um, now, I think that that is part of it, but I think there's much more to it. So let's unpack a couple of these phrases. The first, God's will, and the first, spiritual understanding, and then God's will. So, so spiritual understanding um, is a... Is, is actually not referring to spiritual wisdom and understanding in contrast to um, rational uh, wisdom or understanding. Often today when we say something is spiritual, we, we mean something in contrast to rational or in contrast to physical. It's, it's, uh, um, most often in Scripture, particularly in Paul, when Paul says spiritual understanding, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about understanding and wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, that is characterized by the Holy Spirit. So it's not just some general spiritual understanding. As a matter of fact, what you will see as you proceed through Colossians is that there are many ways of being spiritual, small s, that are not spiritual, capital S. You following me? And, uh, and, and part of what, what you will hear in, in successive weeks is, is the ways that Paul exposes those as counterfeit. Um, and so what Paul is really saying is he wants the Holy Spirit to give us an understanding, a, a, a knowledge of God's will, that it comes from the Holy Spirit. Secondly, recall that knowledge, and this is the same word knowledge that we were talking about both times, is not just a book knowledge of God's will, but a deep, specific, personal knowledge of God's will. So yes, the, 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 the key, the starting point for the full life may include the Holy Spirit guiding us to do this, do that, make this decision, that decision. But, but it, it means more than that. It's deeper than that. It actually includes an, an understanding that we would be, what it means to be filled with the knowledge or experience of God's will is that you can look ahead on your life um, and, and regardless of, of whether you, what decision you make, you know that that life is full of God's will. Right? The Holy Spirit reveals that to you, gives you the wisdom to know that my life, when I look forward, whether I, I know what to do or not, no matter what I do, God's will is part of that. That there is a God who superintends the world around me. There's a God who loves me and knows me and walks with me. And that when I walk into my future, whether or not I know the right decision A or B, I walk into it 
in the midst of God's will. There's a God that wills, and it's not, my, my future life isn't driven left or right by my will, but more by God's will. And more than that, it allows us to look back on our life and someday indeed back on the entirety of our lives and recognize our primary experience, not as one of our own will making decisions, but God's glorious, loving, providential will overshadowing our entire lives. It is a life that is not alone. It is a life that is not driven by yourself. It is a life that is not captive or at the mercy of your will, but instead full of the knowledge or experience of God's will. That is the first step. That is the key to the full life. It is captured by the 1875 hymn by Francis Crosby. Uh, it's been remade a number of times by contemporary musicians, my favorite being the Rich Mullins version of 1992, in case you care. Um, um, and this knowledge of God's will can be described this way. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him do dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, and he cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, and he feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul athirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me, O oh, the fullness of his love, perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit, clothed immortal, wings its flights to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. So who wants a life like this? Who wants a life that is full of walking with Jesus, being held by his hand, knowing that, that my will doesn't direct my life, but rather I am being carried along in the loving flow, the loving river of God's will? Who wants a life like that? Who wants a life like that that leads to a, to a life that overflows, in, that is, that is uh, full and pleasing to God, that is fruitful for others, that continues to deepen in our experience of God, that endures through all hardship, and that overflows in, full, uh, in joyful thanks? If we were of a certain tradition, uh, I would invite you to stand now and perhaps come forward. Fortunately for us, that is precisely what our liturgy is about to do. Um, as, we, as we move forward through the remainder of this liturgy, I'd like for Paul's desires for the full life to echo through the remainder of our liturgy. As we, as we affirm our creed together, would we all be able to affirm the security of what God has already done, that our life does not have to accomplish, that is the foundation of that. As we enter into the prayers of the people, I invite us to be able to catch in it, in the words of the petitions, echoes of these desires, echoes of your desires to be part of God's will and to do good in the world, to endure through hardship, to give joyful thanks, to know God. Would you hear in those prayers echoes of those desires? And, and, and when at, at long last, we are invited to come before the table I would like to invite you to recognize God's invitation to this full life. 
a life that is full of experiencing God's will, full of fruitfulness, full of knowing God more and more, full of endurance and thanks, a life that is full, a life that is no less than full of Jesus Christ himself. So come eagerly, come hungry, and when we feed on Christ, may we all be filled. Lord Jesus, uh, only you have fully lived this life that Paul has described. Only you have embodied what it truly lives like to, to, to be full of the knowledge of God's will, to be flowing in it every second, to be fruitful, to be strengthened, to know God, to be joyfully thankful. Lord, only, only you have done that. And yet through your Holy Spirit, you desire to reveal and unfold that life to us. You have stirred up in us a desire for that life. And even now you invite us to come receive it from you. Lord Jesus, we so need this kind of life. The world around us so needs these sorts of lives, these communities and congregations that that display this sort of life. And so God, we ask that you would give it to us. Lord, we know that you are good and that you give good gifts to your children. And so as we come to you, we come in great confidence. We pray that as we continue in worship today, um, that we would continue to be able to be pressed ever deeper into Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and so to access the possibility of this sort of life. Amen.